0: hey everyone welcome back to the first strike podcast it's kyt with my co-host andy and derek it's been a long time i haven't said uh, a podcast intro in a while and i'm uh, really excited to talk about this past weekend's regional championship uh hosted by face-to-face games and uh but before we do that i i do want to since this is i feel like season i'll call it season four of the show uh we started off with season one let's say with lombardi Brian Gottlieb, um, Doug Potter. Season two, we added, I think, Andy Elliott, we started, and then mixing in Derek. And then season three, we had Final Nub was was a regular as well, and we mixed that in. And um, and I I know I'm forgetting some people as I'm riffing through this. Like Vince was a big part of season one. Uh, But now we're back. I feel bad if I actually missed one, Derek. Did I miss someone? That's contributed to the show. I, I forgot about Vince. So. Brian Gottlieb. Yeah, he, I mentioned Gottlieb.
1: Yeah, I um, forgot
0: about Vince. So you know more than I do, I guess. Those guys were, were solid contributors uh, to the show. But uh, now now then there were two, man. Then there were two that still play at the highest level of the game, at least uh, in Canada, crushing it so far. Um, so so let's start with you, Derek. Since you're on, um, on cam, I can see you on cam, but we're doing this audio only. Um tell people a bit more about you. Um, like you've been streaming, you've made a bunch of pro tours. Let's go. Some some resume. Uh
1: yeah, so I've played four pro tours um before this RC. I qualified for the Magic Online Championships a couple years ago, uh in Seattle before COVID. I stream full-time currently. I create content for Patreon and I'm, t- I'm a Twitch partner and yeah, I just play a lot of Magic and have really enjoyed getting back into it recently and have missed the grind a bit because uh, of COVID. So I think that's all all my resume. I'm notably better than Andy, which is the important part of all of this. And I think th- uh, something that shouldn't be left out uh, going forward, yep.
0: The Magic's basically your your full-time gig at this point right yeah it is
1: luckily i have figured out a formula so that i can make magic my full-time gig right now and it, i'm enjoying it and it's fun so we're we're going with it we're sending we're having a blast doing it we're topping events and meeting a bunch of people can't really complain about it
0: i'm really proud of it because i think it was only a couple of months ago It seemed like we were talking about where you were at, and then you would tweet your progress towards making your Patreon a a thing where you could live off it and and, and make it your full-time thing. So I'm super proud of you.
1: Thank you. It was was a big, big jump to
0: make for me. I I
1: tried doing the streaming thing years ago, and it didn't really work out. And uh, yeah, this time around, I, I guess I just hit the nail on the head like everything takes a little bit of luck in life. So we got lucky with the the pioneer being an RC format and me finding a, a deck that I vibed with and I could make a bunch of content about, but yeah, it's been, it's been sweet. It's been fun. I've loved it. And just going to keep doing that. So that's me for the most part, I think, I don't think there's anything
0: else. Well, it's great uh, to to hear someone that that could dedicate himself fully to the game. Andy, uh, does your resume is your resume inferior to Derek's? Is it is it true?
2: Well, it depends. Uh, depends who you ask. Uh, I've played, I believe, the same number of pro tours as Derek. I've played the World Magic Cup as well. I've played the Sunday Super Series, like in Seattle, which honestly took like just the same as any PTQ to win. It was like a four hundred person one slot event. And uh, a top eight, all sorts of the challenges on moto, not quite as much as Derek. I can't get in the streets as often as Derek, but my conversion rate of top eight is like seventy plus percent for the year. And just kind of feel like I've been playing less magic, like overall. But I, my results are peaking, and my results of like uh, effort in versus results out is just the best it's ever been for myself personally. And I think a lot of that just has to do with uh, the way I've been networking. But I guess the only thing that I like for my accomplishments is this pro tour coming up will be the last three paper pro tours in a row I've played.
0: Nice. Um, I, I think about your answers to the player surveys I had to hand out. This is uh Watsi assigned me this task. Uh, during for the top eight to hand, all, all the people in top eight to do these questions. And uh, Manny Davouti was, was handling the answers, but he would mention to me, he would message me, he's like, okay, make sure for the question of how they qualify, make sure they mention the specific store they qualify for because I, I guess they want to give the store some love. And, and Andy's answer as I read through the answer was like, like, how did you qualify, and where? And like, your answer was just "which time?" Question mark. It's like, okay, I guess, I, I guess, Manny, I'm sorry, he didn't give a serious answer. I'm not gonna go back and ask him to change it. So,
2: oh, it's a serious answer. I qualified <laughs> many times.
0: Yeah, I know, but that's why. But that that's made also your that's your legendary Twitter run this past season that you've been able to just dom- dominate all these um, qualifiers.
2: Yeah, I've played uh, seven RCQs, and I've I think I've won a couple of them and scooped the finals of all of them but one. So there's one RCQ that I legitimately lost in the top eight of, but every other one I've won or scooped the finals of.
0: Crazy. All right, before we go to RC, going to talk a bit a bit about myself. Currently, the digital content supervisor for face to face games, and uh, I try to do a lot of social media to highlight certain players. And and over the weekend, I was tasked to show event photos and talk about players doing well during the weekend, stuff like that. But um, it pales comparison to what I am passionate about doing over like the the past decade or so, uh, because there's just a lot going on, um, just handling the logistics of F2F Tour. I used to like focus on making articles, these podcasts, but now it's more about like, Creating an FDFTOR.com website, doing like making sure registration and everything is running smoothly. So a lot of logistical stuff and and not what I used to be passionate about. And so when uh the new generation of players that that Andy mentions a lot and, and has had on his show, um tend to like want to meet me and, and and say hi to me, I always think like it's just Andy saying how awesome I am without any like real context as to like what I actually have done what i'm all about um is that right andy like what were you saying that i have?
2: it's uh you're the, the most important man in canadian magic history
0: <laughs> but it doesn't it just that, so... that
1: might that might be true
2: well, <laughs> it's before like... it was like east coast versus west coast and everyone was sort of in their own area and what really helped like skyrocket canadian magic was like the team mana deprived where everyone from all over the country kind of got together. It wasn't just Ontario v. Quebec via the West. Everyone all came together under the Mana Deprived banner. And part of that was just being able to like put the content on the website that you ran yourself, Mana Deprived. And part of that was just people looking for reasons to connect. And I think that's one of the reasons everyone in Canada got better because connections are one of the most pivotal things to getting better. And you helped facilitate that.
1: Yeah, I also think that Mana Deprived was a big stepping stone for a lot of people getting into Magic to get to that competitive step. Whereas like growing up where I grew up, we didn't have the Toronto players to push us from like local FNM players to like GP players or like GP grinders. Whereas like knowing of Mana Deprived and reading articles and seeing videos and like Newmont was doing videos at one point, right? Like that was so cool to see. I, I do
2: remember that,
1: what Andy's talking about. Yeah, that was huge. And,
2: and Derek kind of hit the nail on the head. It's so important for people like Derek and I who don't grow up in the actual hotbeds, the Montreal, Toronto, maybe Calgary, Elber- uh, Edmonton, the actual spots where like there's so many players of high quality together that you have to seek out resources online. And your website was the hotspot resource online for Canadian Magic. It was the only one in the game
0: yeah so for the new players i do they'd have to imagine a world where like patreon discord and magic twitter was nowhere where it is now it was like just a, a few people tweeting here and there and um basically i was just a regular person that wanted to create a blog about magic and highlight players because um it's what i liked about chess when i re- re- uh, received a monthly little booklet from From the chess club, that they would just highlight different players, and I would like one day I want to be one of those players that, that are mentioned, stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, why don't I do that for magic? And then eventually, and it, it was way long ago. I, I keep I, I see Derek and I think about. I think it was an extended tournament. How old this was, where he played basic forest instead of fetch lands or something. Because it was it up. was a
1: modern tournament.
0: <laughs> it was the first modern PTQ,
1: and I couldn't get shocks and I couldn't get fetches. And I was told to come along and I had like old extended elves built. And that was the first time we met because of mana base. And I think you were in a winning with basic forests. Yeah, I I was. I I lost my winning in -in because I miscounted my mana one turn. And uh, uh, the person, the person I lost to wasn't even in top eight. They were blocking for somebody else. And the person who who squeaked in eighth, I think, won the PTQ, and that was for PT Avison restored, which Hain won. Ooh, wow! And so, like, I remember like seeing that that guy won, watching that PT because it was the first PTQ I had ever played, and then seeing Hain win, and it was like that guy's Canadian. I met him at that PTQ, and then it was just like a vicious cycle after that, and I like went down the rabbit hole.
0: It's great. Um, you guys mentioned the the, the website and everything built on top of that so the first mana deprived pro tour team had this like not vision but like almost mission to help um because again none of social media wasn't that big then for magic so if you were just a random that qualified it was hard to uh seek uh help and compete with what was then like super teams like channel fireball at the time were considered super team and they would win or top eight multiple pro tours and the mission at the time with Manager Pride was, like, hey, let's get, you know, all the Canadians that want to work together, together. And the first performance was a top eight by David Kaplan, followed by a win from from Alex Hain. So it was, like, incredible. Like, the team the team was huge. Um, I remember there was another pro tour. I think um, it was Hawaii, where it was, like, a really, really big team. But eventually, what, what, what happened is that Magic, like, Watsi made it. Possibly a, a possibility to be a pro magic player, so then it would make sense to then for, for part of the team to branch off and take it more professionally. Um, but for at least a few pro tour, that like vision of bringing all Canadians up together being on the same team that lasted uh for, for a bit. And, and even BDM during uh Haynes' run would mention how like we were the underdog team facing off against um the the super stacked Hall of Fame. Team like the John Finkels, um, that that Hay managed to beat in the top eight, and, and other stud Hall of Famer teams, uh, Kibler, like all these studs. That uh, I don't know if uh, the new school players are aware of how like godly some of the superstar teams were of that era, but they they were stacked. And um, but yeah, and, and lastly, what uh, it, what I've done was not like obviously possible, especially like without the help of Alex. Everyone else, you guys, during the, the first strike run, of course. And I uh, just was really lucky to be also in the same, basically, city as face-to-face games as we sort of both were going up, and they decided to partner with me. And last thing I want to mention is, like, it's kind of crazy looking back that the F2F Tour, I don't know if you guys know this, but the precursor to F2F Tour was the Man of the Super Series. Like, oh, I just- know, I <laughs> I top made like five of those things i think that's wild the fact that they loved what my brand represented so much instead of naming it the the face-to-face tour which i thought they probably should have to begin with they decided to hey work with me let's call it the mdss which would then become the face-to-face tournament series at one point to to what is now the f2f tour but to think that i'm just a regular guy writing a blog and at some point uh a nationwide tournament series had my brand that I created out of thin air was kind of sweet. And, uh, but I, I just want to return to that, which is uh, when I see people like, you know, dreams of Ash and mentioned, and I talked to Dahlia uh, mentioned that it's sort of missing in the community right now. Like, okay, you guys will laugh, but she mentioned how, you know, Quebecers or French Quebecers are underrepresented or these rivalries are all about Ontario. And, and Alberta and, and Quebec gets you know thrown, um, you know they're they're underestimated and stuff. Uh, and then, like I said, dreams of Ashiok mentions that like there's not as it used to be, right? They're the top players. Like Alberta is doing their work. And Andy, you're the one that mentioned all these players that I was able to see, like Andrew Trainer at the RC, and and these are only players that I know because because of you, some of them. So um, hopefully we can go back to that and highlight some of these top players and, and there were a bunch um, that were up and coming in this past weekend. So, so let's just jump right into it. Derek, uh, what did you play and why?
1: Uh,
0: at the RC, I played
1: red, black mid range. Um, I've been playing it for a while. I usually just pick one deck. It's usually a mid range deck and I just play it a bunch and I try to play it the best I can figure out uh, like sideboards format uh, everything and just like devour it. And then that's just what I do. I've done that with like four color, Sahili, green, black, mid range years ago, uh, blue, white flash. It's just what I've always done. I also think that red, black, even if it wasn't the deck I want, like, I probably would have played it, but I think luckily it was also just one of the best decks in the format. And I think that it is, um, very good. It's top three decks. No matter like what people can say about what what it loses to or what it beats, like its staying power is just you have to respect it. And I think that um, I think it's just a good choice to take to a tournament. It's it's kind of like the jund of pioneer. Yeah,
0: I really like it. How, how do you think? You know, of course, we had like mutual friend David Rude mentioned how he absolutely the hate the format. And Alex Hain tweeted that. The format isn't as bad as what people say it is and where do you land on on that front i think people like to whine uh
1: i respect d root a lot and hayne obviously but i think there's a huge um, a huge disconnect between the format and what people expect it to be uh, i think the format is very very close there's a lot of good decks i'd probably say five to six good decks could win a tournament and each of them, although I think three of them are better than the other three or other four, I think that the, the edges that those decks have are very close. And if you are good with one of those decks, you're going to get a lot more of an edge because you are good with that deck. And so when you have players like Hayne or Rude who haven't played the game in a while or competitive in a while, they look at this format, they see the stuff that goes online and people just complaining about mono green or complaining (laughs) about red, black, and then they go, oh, well, that must be true, it's happening so much. And then they play the format and they they can't get these little edges that they could before because they haven't been playing the format. There's like a little bit of lack of knowledge of what's going on in the format specifically. And it's just like, oh, well, this format must not be good or it must be like play draw dependent. When in reality, like Hain even said it himself, it's better than I thought it was. I don't know how many matches he actually played up to that point, but it it just shows that the the for, I think the format's really good. I think it's just different than modern, and, and like that's not a bad thing. I I personally don't like modern, but I don't think modern's a bad format. I just think people need to play it more, like approach
0: it differently. So you mentioned the top three decks. So which are which are the top three for you? Red black. Uh, yeah, red black, mono green, and phoenix,
1: and then. Mono white is like a close fourth. I I would put those four decks as like the four best decks of the format, no matter
0: what, um, as of right now. Andy, did you play one of the best decks in the format?
2: I did. I did. I played, is it Phoenix myself? And I chose to play it because I've played a lot of is it Phoenix before. It's one of my favorite styles of magic to play. And I thought it was well positioned. I really liked my mono green matchup. I like the mono white matchup. The Rakdos matchup's not great, but I felt like I could still beat lesser players playing Rakdos mid-range. And the Gruel Vehicles, which was getting a lot of hype, is a really good matchup. So I felt pretty good going in, but boy did it Phoenix get slaughtered in this tournament. It did really poorly. Despite if you took this tournament out and looked at all the other RCs, Phoenix was definitely the best performing heavily played deck. But then you look at this tournament and it was like the worst performing heavily played deck.
0: What why? You have any reason?
2: The only thing I can think of is when looking through the results there's so many Phoenix players who went like 2 and 4 and 0 oh and 4 and Phoenix is a really hard deck. It's much harder than people think because you look at a consider on turn 1 and most people will just cast it, but that's just very wrong. And I think most players will make the mistake of casting that turn one consider when they don't have a reason to. And with a deck with like Phoenix, where you need to chain like three spells in a turn to get back your Phoenixes, doing that kind of stuff can easily cost you the game. So I think it's a bit of that Lotus field uh, had a pretty strong presence and that's a pretty bad matchup And Ractus mid range was one of the most played and that's a bad matchup to you. So it was just kind of like a bad weekend for Phoenix, but I I I don't regret my choice and I would even if I knew the meta game, I would still play it again.
0: <laughs> just cuz you you felt really confident playing it. But like when I was watching you birding you, man, I just felt so stressed. You just like everything seems like it's so tight, right? <laughs> like to me, like
2: it, it is really tight. And the thing with Phoenix is And the reason it is so difficult is not only do you have a very high number of decisions to make in a game, Mm -hmm. but you have new information to process so often. And that's one of the reasons it's incredibly difficult, in my opinion, to play at a super high level, just because I think it's virtually impossible. You just have to do the best with what you can with your little brain computer. But uh, I think, yeah, it, it is stressful. Sometimes it's tight, but then there's the games that you just treasure cruise, kill stuff, treasure cruise, and nothing ever matters. You pieces of the puzzle and they didn't have any pressure and nothing matters. So it definitely does have like the blowout win games, but it plays a lot of really uh, tight games because winning is not always the easiest. If they put pressure on you to have to use your removal early, then you have a harder time bringing your phoenixes back. You might get put off a turn or for example, a deck like grease fang can make it so you have to hold up mana or a deck like mono green can make it so you have to hold up mana so you might have to like change your entire game plan to not even involve phoenix that much because you can't afford to be playing three spells in your main phase to bring them back there's just a lot of moving parts to phoenix and i think most people get it wrong
0: where, where do you think the the meta game then shifts uh when it comes to calgary then will it will it be affected by these results at all
2: If I had to guess, I don't think Calgarians and Albertans and Westerners will play as much Black Red as was played here. I think Black Red and Phoenix will be overrepresented in Ontario because there's a lot of like Jund and Blue Red players. And I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but there's just so many people who gravitate towards that play style in the area. And I think when you go out there, you're going to get more of what you would expect, like just more of a normal metagame. Especially there'll be some people flying in and stuff. I, I would expect some some more blue white. And Lotus Field's gonna have a real target on its head because it's done well a lot. So I think every deck's gonna have more sideboard cards for Lotus Field.
0: What do you think about uh, Derek about uh Calgary's metagame shift? Um
1: I think I think Andy's mostly right. I think that um a good amount of the calgarians or the albertans or the people coming from vancouver um also we'll probably just play red black or phoenix um i think that red black had a not amazing weekend but i had a decent weekend and it's been one of the just most consistent decks in the format and i think that uh, like i've had a lot of people message me about red black and ask me about it that i know are going to that event that i know we're playing different decks before um And like, like Andy said, I think Phoenix is difficult to play. I think it's difficult to play well, well enough to win. And I think that enough people should, will know that by now, should know that by now so that it's hard for me to believe that Phoenix will have, um, as high of a showing as it did in Toronto. I think it'll be a little less. I do think that mono green is still a default, very powerful deck. It won the tournament. So it's hard to say that like, it's bad now, um, and there's still some, like, around. So I think there will be, a like, a bit more mono green than there was in Toronto. But I don't expect it to change drastically. Uh, I just think there might be a bit more black-red, and there might be a bit more mono green, probably a little less Phoenix, maybe a
0: little less mono white. As a casual a viewer of the, the format, it was interesting to see, you know, Christian Trudel say that he thinks the deck should be bad, and then he goes on to, like, I'm just like I'm not watching. I don't have time to watch the actual games, but just seemed like he kept two owing everyone, and even in the last round where he had to face someone that was paired up, he just ended up dream crushing and two owing someone that needed a win to get in. Um, it's just just the nature of of the mono green deck that could run really. have these like really hot hands. That's that's what I've heard. Or do you think like the metagame in 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 the um, top tables was set up for him to succeed, uh, Derek? Um, it it's a little bit of both.
1: I think that mono green has the highest chance to like really high roll people, and so that's what you get with the deck. Um, I think I remember looking at the top tables, and there's a lot of Lotus floating around, which mono green um is good against if. They have the right cards for it. Um, Trudel had two damping spheres on his board. Every other mono green deck I played against on the weekend didn't. I I saw like I know Pascal Pascal Maynard convinced a lot of French kids and people to just <laughs> bring a Lotus. I played against like a person round one of day two, and they're like, yeah, I came with Pascal, and he him and Gab told everybody to play Lotus, and they they like made the Lotus deck. And so I knew, like, I don't know if it was, like, how many eight, maybe, people that were on Lotus. It, if Trudell played against any of them, he just would have rolled them if he mm-hmm. had Karn, if he had Karn. And then, like, I think it's also good against uh, the random decks. I think he probably beat up on some red-black. And because, like, I played him round 13, and both of our games, I lost both of them, but both of our games, I was a turn away from winning. If I drew mm-hmm. slightly differently... Or if I was on the play game one, I think I would have at least taken a game off him. And so I I don't think mono green should be banned. I don't think it's that good. It's very good. It's very powerful. People need to punish it. But I think a lot of people were focusing on beating black red. They're focusing on beating phoenix. And with um, like mono green on the decline, it was like the perfect event for mono green to show up and like win the event for example but if you look at the other mono green decks in the event they they didn't have as a consistent there's one other in top eight and then there was like a little sprinkle in the rest of the event but no more than any other deck in the format really
0: okay and any any words on mono green
2: yeah i think mono green is definitely it's hard to describe it's probably the best deck but it's extremely exploitable it can't change its game plans after sideboarding virtually at all. So what happens is it puts a ceiling on the format with a lot of the other mid-range decks. What kind of stuff can be playable? And the second people stop respecting it, it's just by far the best deck. But when people respect it, it's just a good deck. It's not even the best deck. It's it's, it's hard to describe. It's the best. The best way I have is that it's its value just ebbs and flows with how well-prepared people are for it if people stop preparing for it it's going to be the best deck if people are preparing for it it's just going to be okay
0: so i don't i don't know the details of of calgary and you tweeted or you messaged me on facebook about this andy but both of you you know have already booked your flights in airbnb so you're both playing in the in the main event again you're allowed to i don't know (laughs) nobody said i couldn't (laughs) I, I, at
1: no point did any judge say you're not allowed to do this or pe- people have asked me, but nobody seems to know, All I don't right. know. I, I can win a world's invite, right? I, I can do that still. So like, why would I not be, right. that's my logical
0: breakdown. Right. Right. I can see that kind of makes sense to me. And the, the invites passed down
2: too. Right. So I don't see why you wouldn't be able yeah. to play.
0: Right. Like that, that world plot. Um. I think, like, Matt Schmaltz was was, uh, close to me um, most of the weekend. He was mentioning how maybe some people – I don't know if you guys are – you guys are probably aware, but he thinks that it's not talked about enough that qualifying for Worlds is, like, really high EV because that tournament is, like, way more EV than the Pro Tour. Um, What do you guys have to say? Are you guys aware of that, Derek?
1: Yeah, I mean, my quarter's loss was already, like, losing hundreds of dollars not winning the event was a loss of ev of like ten thousand dollars right mm-hmm. and like that sucks or whatever but yeah i, I think anybody who was competitive or trying to compete in that event knew how important worlds was when when i was thinking about going to calgary egger like looked at me and he's like we're playing for thousands of dollars american and there's a world's invite for first He's like, mm-hmm. if you think you're the like top 50 player in that room, you have like a one in 50 chance to make worlds. You should just go play this like, I don't know how if it's like a 15k or whatever, and then just like, play for worlds. How many times do you get to do that? I'm like, you got me. Like, let's fly <laughs> to Calgary, I guess, in <laughs> middle of December. Woo! But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think most people know.
2: Yeah, it's like a it's like a PTQ for worlds for us at this point. And you would absolutely play in a 150 200 player PTQ for worlds. Like it sucks that we have to fly there or whatever, but I think we'll be okay after the top eight.
0: It, it, it was kind of crazy that you guys were like sitting next to each other for like and, and uh, having the same match result for like the last couple of rounds. That was kind of like as I'm sweating both of you. It's kind of tense. It's like, oh crap! They're they're not against each other, but like they're facing each other and they have the same result. And then the, the last round, uh, Derek looked way more comfortable than you, Andy. And I'm like, you know, texting the group chat: Is he winning? Like, I don't know <laughs> what do you, if he looks like he's winning or losing because, uh, you know,
2: I think we had the same record every single round on day two.
0: I, I came
1: into day two at X2. I took, my so did third I. Lo- I took my third loss in round 13.
2: Me too. Yeah. So we had the same record uh, the entire day two.
1: Yeah, I think I think I got pretty lucky in dodging Andy. And then Andy beat up on all the random decks that I probably had a bad matchup against. Like, I think he played against Grease Fang and beat him one round. I'm like, that's sick. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my last round, I got a game loss because I misregistered my deck. And I somehow managed to, to win, anyways. Crazy.
2: <laughs> Through grit and determination, Derek could not falter.
0: <laughs>
1: despite my own, despite my own actions, I, I managed to top eight.
0: Um, is I mean, is there actually enough time for you guys to even consider playing another deck? I mean, I, I think most people, ninety percent, and you got, especially after you guys top 90 percent chance you guys are running it back, right? Or no?
2: Well, I'll go out and say it. I'm going to run the deck back no matter what. I think Phoenix is still really good. And the fact that I had a bad weekend sort of makes it better in two weeks. And I don't think much changes for me. The format's going to be still the same. I'll probably add a sideboard card for Lotus field and call it a day.
0: All right. I think if you win, Andy, I'm I'm going to use this as my, my formula for deck selection, like, Pick whatever did really bad <laughs> the week or two weeks prior. Seems to be mad, the magical way to run the table. Uh, Derek?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I think I think if I said I'm playing literally anything else other than <laughs> red, black, like somebody would put a hit on my house or something, like I, I, I'm i just playing this deck and I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're we're point, sending,
0: yeah. At this point, are you like actually, are your cards to still be tweaked or are you just – Fine-tuning your 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 play skills for certain matchups. Like, how, how are you uh, getting better for Calgary? Um. Yeah, I had there was a lot of discussion this weekend actually
1: about things that I found were interesting with Red Black specifically how Edgar approached um, was approaching the deck that was different than what I was doing, and one of the the big things was taking the draw against Phoenix post board as Red Black and something that I, I didn't think about. But after we discussed it, I think it it is correct to do. Um, and then there was like I didn't respect Lotus at all because I think the deck sucks. I <laughs> beat it, I beat it twice at the the event. But I think like I might add a couple cards in my sideboard for it too, anyways, just because like I think the matchup's still really close. And I think other than that, I think my my sixty is good, and it's just all about sideboarding and trying to nail down the meta and um really like thinking about like do I take the draw versus the Phoenix? Cause I I'm very adverse to sort of that idea, but I think that after having that conversation with Edgar, it uh it might have swayed my opinion on it.
0: To that you say what, Andy, as the Phoenix player. So in my match in
2: the top eight, I was against red black. And I considered taking the draw in game two, but I just basically ended up deciding that I'm not sure. And how wrong could it be to take the play? Is basically where I, I landed on. Is the thought was I'd much rather be on the play for play, like uh, things playing out where I get to just kill something and then pieces of the puzzle. Like that's a huge advantage uh, at times. And even though maybe it ends up being correct to take the draw, it's just obviously the the safer play and more maybe more likely to be correct even if it's not correct to just
0: take the play so are you gonna what so you're not are you gonna think about it more in calgary andy or or it doesn't (laughs) matter
2: uh i'm probably gonna take the play i think it's basically just because of pieces of the puzzle and and uh play against go blank i'd rather just like, I guess in the way you want to be on the draw against, go blank. But I think just want to leverage pieces of the puzzle. So I'll probably take the play.
0: Sweet. Um, friend of mine played, uh, Cal Duncan played red-black sacrifice. Um, and I wonder uh, what you thought about it, Annie, because uh, you played against it and you were winning in, uh, I believe. And then um, I remember, this is funny, like the opponent was burning the top eight. Um, and then he walked away as like, I think you either lost or something happened or the, he felt the bracket played in a way that was advantageous to him. So when he left the venue, he's like, that could have been me to his friends. (laughs) I remember that.
2: You got you gotta make the bracket to have a good bracket. You know, (laughs) uh, uh, that match I played against Racto sacrifice twice. And I think the deck is sort of okay. Certainly from the Phoenix side brotherhood's end absolutely tore the match matchup on its head it's just so good for you now because you can sweep up the artifacts or sweep up the creatures whichever one they try to do and that's just so ridiculous I beat a turn one ley line in both post board games in the win and in in the last round by just I wrathed their uh, witch's oven and a treasure token when they were missing their land drops in the one game and then cleaned up a trespasser and a, a blood tithe harvester in that game as well and then just played a crackling drake And now they couldn't turn on revolt for their fatal push. And that's actually how they lost. They had a fatal push in their hand. At one point they dropped it actually. And I wrote on my, uh, my notepad fatal push in the biggest letters I could possibly muster. And then they attacked with their, uh, their three, three into my Phoenix. And I said, absolutely no blocks.
0: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) um but uh, Derek just seems to shake his head at at the sacrifice archetype I guess not not a fan no I think that deck
1: is just less powerful red black and uh that's fine it's also just not a good good matchup for red black like they they do a lot of things that are hard to interact with but I'm a big uh believer in you just want to play the most powerful thing you can um with consistency and I think Sacrifice is like a less consistent, less powerful red black that has like a worse time against mono green just because of Karn. And similar with like green white angels, like people ask me about green white angels all the time, and I'm like, I think green white angels is just worse than humans the majority of the time. Or like people playing like Phoenix less Phoenix, um, and playing like a bunch of Drakes instead main deck. It's like you're probably just worse than playing Phoenix. <laughs> Like, why are you making your deck worse to do something cool? It's just like, it keeps happening. And people are like, no, we finally did it. We broke the meta. It's like, no, I don't think you did. I think you just, you just got a little lucky this weekend friend and like sacrifice still can't beat Phoenix as Andy said. So like what you can't be two of the top three decks. What are we doing here?
0: Now we're going to shift away to, to just get you guys your overall um opinion or feelings about the event overall and if it was great to you know f- see some of you know your old competitors or old friends competing again for, for the first time it just seemed like people cared a lot about winning this event and i know um you know as working for face to face we've had a lot of our you know trouble with um you know the communication with the whole qualified and, and having to, to pay for the, the main event and stuff like that and, and I think a lot of those details um as Watsi and us like will be ironed out as we work through our, our first jump into this tour weekend tour championship style. Um, but, but as we know though like Watchy changes things really fast. Like the MPL didn't really last that fast and the rivals league they just like came and gone. So um but assuming that this this thing will be worked on and iterated on. Um, was it cool for you guys to see, you know, to play in this event and everything? Uh, starting with you, Andy. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question.
2: There's a lot of really cool things about the event. The I'll start with maybe the only downside is that perhaps it was too easy to qualify for. Because yeah. once you start thinking of it as like akin to a regional pro tour qualifier, like, cause I believe in the next cycle or perhaps the one after that, it only becomes four qualifications uh, for Canada. And at that point it starts looking pretty rough when you compare it to the regional uh, RPTQ system, at least as it comes to just qualifying itself. But the, it was awesome to see basically all of the same faces. It was a super competitive event. There was, so many people came from all over. And I think part of the reason people felt obligated to come over was because they earned the qualification. <clears throat> Top eight is perfectly attainable in a field of like under 400 people. And I thought the event ran super smoothly. The number of rounds was nice. Cause it was a little shorter overall than like a normal GP, for example. And, the vibe was good. The judge staff was great. I think Canada has some really talented judges at the top, and all of the judges in the RC were extremely capable and excellent communication with everything. And I, for the first time in a tournament, mm-hmm. I felt like they were really watching for cheating and they were really watching for slow play. I saw people get asked to play faster more in this tournament than I have in like my last 30 tournaments combined because I saw it happen like five times. So that's more than all the other tournaments. So I've, I, I'm excited. I hope that they the keep going this well bef- uh, as uh, things continue, I'm a little bit worried about only four qualifications going forward. I think that's like pretty rough to decide to fly out to Vancouver, for example, for four slot uh, PTQ in a way. But I'm going to go anyway. I've already qualified. And I think uh, Watsi's shown some willingness to tweak some stuff as things go on. And yeah. they reply to feedback, I would say, a pretty decent amount. And maybe the number of competitors in the Pro Tour comes in at a place where they feel like they can tweak the number of qualified players. I, I think they've sort of lowballed everything and then caught everything back up to reality a million <sighs> times over that I think with some good feedback that this can be a pretty great event. It's all about sort of how you frame it to yourself. Like, is this more akin to nationals? Is it akin to an RPTQ? Because like almost everyone who wanted to play nationals qualified for nationals. So you just kind of have to rationalize that this is a little bit different than both. And what it was though, was a really well-run, fun fun event. And got to see a lot of players who I knew were really good finally show stuff at like a really high stage like one of my best friends finished 10th with Gruel vehicles we got to see world's competitor johnny goodman play in paper which i'm not even sure they've ever done
0: before um someone <laughs> i was birding like you know you guys so john johnny was like right next to ginger right in the in the winning end or like and then I was birding Ginger, and then someone like behind me, I think Johnny lost last round. Someone behind me was like, "Yo, man, that guy looks distraught, like completely, <laughs> completely distraught." So I guess he got destroyed in the last one, but <laughs> yeah.
2: he lost to the Happy Sandwich, who uh, oh. dream crushed to make sure that uh, I would make top eight he, if he, uh, if X three yeah. breakers uh, broke differently.
1: Yeah, he, I watched Johnny get crushed while I was sleeving up. It was it was rough uh Happy Sandwich just played Esca, Esca's Eska's Chariot a couple of times and was like, okay, well, I don't think he can win, but
0: huh? Yeah. It Andy, I could hear your voice like being like, what happened? <laughs> like that's it to that match. But uh yeah, it's great to to, to see like like you wouldn't see it, it's it's rare to see like Pascal and Alex in the same tournament, like two of our you know best players of Canadian players of all time in terms of not just skill, but like resume wise you it's hard to sack up against those guys. And then people from our my generation of players, let's say, that, that I've seen that that played a lot of PTQs in, in my era came, like David Roode came to play, even in a format that he hated. So that was really nice to see. Uh, what did you think about the, the tournament as a whole, uh, Derek?
1: I liked it. Um, it. It felt kind of like a GP. I... Unlike Andy, I liked the easiness to qualify. Um, it reminded me a lot like nationals where if you just played magic for a year, every once a week, you could qualify for nationals and like everybody wanted to be there. Um, I think it's a little different cause like the national team is a little bit more prestigious and a bit, um, of a more nationalistic vibe. Like we're all celebrating good Canadian players which I think might be the vibe in the future. I think with the first event back, there's a lot of growing pains. A lot of people are unsure what's happening. Um, I think even like the Alberta bit where me and Andy were chirp Albertans on, on Twitter is just sort of like, it seems to me like COVID really just disconnected a lot of people, including myself from what competitive magic is in Canada. And who is still playing and who's doing what and who we're going to see at events. And I've said this for a long time. Um, people, people get out to play magic and want to play more magic. When they see people, they like playing magic, they want a story to follow. They want like star building. They want like, oh, I saw this person win a PT. I want to go play a PT or I saw this person top eight a GP. I want a top eight at GP. We didn't have that for a very long time. So I think like. This event coming back, people keep trying to put names on it and keep trying to put, like, connections to other things, and they aren't, like, taking it for what it is, which is, like, just a cool GP, like, RC event. Um, And so I think the biggest problem was just it's the first one. Um, I didn't have a problem with how it was run. I really liked it. Thought the judges were good. Rounds went, like, at a good pace. I even got told to play faster at one point, and I, I don't play slow. Um, just because I was thinking for too long uh, against Lotus Field one turn. And I I really enjoyed seeing a bunch of people. Uh, I saw like Tarek, who is a Flesh and Blood player, and Dilks, big Flesh and Blood players now. They're coming out. And I mean, they're still Flesh and Blood players, but like it, it was good to see them. And it was good to just play competitive Magic at a high high level. And it was nice to like top 8 one of these events like a gp size event and yeah i i i guess my concern would be the future like andy said only having four invites but that's whatever i'm probably just going to keep playing these events um yeah i i enjoyed
0: it i thought it was good detective dollywall uh, was there too yeah um, not for long <laughs> he, he queued he queued from playing friday though <laughs> yeah and i think that's the thing that um i mean people that were thinking or on the fence of going to calgary i think it was made obvious that it's really easy to qualify well on the friday because you only need three wins so definitely if you don't have a slot show up on friday for calgary um with a good deck with red black um, Derek's red, black, or something like that, and 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 I think you should be a, a great chance to to get there. Um But to me, yeah. any you feel- I know, I
2: hold on. I know some Albertans who flew to this event without an invite to Calgary because they were going to LCQ here and LCQ there. <laughs> like, isn't that crazy? How that, many of them that, made it? Uh, I, I I'm not sure if any of them made it.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> okay, oof. That's a big oof.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You're you're all right though, Derek, putting people try to put a name on it to just pattern recognition, right? You're trying to gauge how you feel about this new thing. So you compare it to old things. It's what everyone does always, but sometimes the way magic players work is they kind of just take everything that they're comparing it to and take the negatives of it all. We're a little bit of a negative group. And I think, I think the event was kind of awesome the way it is now. Like if it, stays being eight spots, I will fly to both of these every year or every uh, three months or four months or whatever. And I just have really fiended for the competitive magic. And if there's an, an OP system I could participate in that isn't absolutely like killing me to participate in, I'm I am going to be there.
1: Yeah, i i I think that's the biggest thing is people are looking for what we used to have. Like nostalgia is a hell of a drug and people just like to complain and want what they used to have. But, like, I don't think GPs were that great. I don't think this was better than a GP. I've only played one. I played a lot of GPs, um, and, like, maybe this is worse than a GP in the long run. I don't know yet. I think there are a few things that, that could be bad in a long-term sort of thing with the RCs, But but right now I think we have a decent system, and I think, like – a lot of the complaints are just people want something else that isn't there anymore, and maybe it wasn't there in the first place, just because like they were looking through rose-colored glasses, or they didn't realize how like bad it actually was, or something.
2: But, yeah. Yeah. One one thing I'll say that is awesome about the Canadian regional system compared to just the American is the easiest one I can compare it to is that our qualifying system is so much better, even if it is easier. The fact that you can skip all of the local things if that's what you want to do and just play the like the face to face open events to qualify is a massive plus. That way like those events have so much more meaning and you don't have to go to some of the weirdo stores that might have these events. And <laughs> I'll say it, there's some weird ones out there. Okay. No, no yeah. judge. You're you're playing outside on a picnic <laughs> bench, it's raining. <laughs>
1: That was that was not close. The worst thing about PPTQs was oh there's this event in what somebody I knew won a RCQ in Godrich. Do you know where Godrich is? Most people don't. No. You, you don't like the population size of a thousand, maybe. It's like a two hour drive from Kitchener. He won it. It was like ten people. Congratulations. You're going to the RC. <laughs> it's like, oh, who wants to do that every weekend nobody it's it's so much better i like i like the easy qualification i know people complain about it but like whatever i think it's great
2: it is cool not to sweat it you know i had two qualifications for this season in week two <laughs> well i mean it's easy for for you
1: not to sweat it but the people at the events that you're going to because you're constantly dream crushing them they have to sweat it like you're giving people night terrors andy i don't think you have any understanding
0: like standing of the the horrors you're bringing to the community the psychic damage i felt this way i know like i'm not gonna ask derek this but annie did you feel like misplaced ginger was like one of the bigger stories it just felt like for me he had a lot a lot of fans cheering for him to to go far and it it felt like him actually making it two of the top four was like the to me the feel good good story of the tournament because he's been streaming he's been pouring his heart out into this game and uh it's just one of those things like oh you see hard work and then results pay off type of thing uh just made it one of the stories for me
2: yeah for sure it wasn't the story that made me feel the best personally (laughs) but derek is a a super polarizing figure in the community and honestly a pretty uh valued member of the community they put a lot of content out there. They're super seen. They put themselves out there a lot. And it was nice to kind of get that result to go with the, all the, the trash talk and uh, kind of prove, prove, prove themselves a little like the biggest stage we've had in Canada for a while. And Derek walked the walk. And I think he deserves it. Fantastic player. I think one of the best players in Canada right now. and, it's just really validating to see for them that this is uh, coming to fruition when they absolutely deserve it.
0: Um, one thing I will say when, when Derek mentioned uh, GP and, and this system, what, what this has a chance of, of doing is like the, the opens are, are more important, the players that are going to Calgary are a lot of players are went to Toronto, so perhaps there, it's like easier for people like myself. Or someone else who wants to do this, like to really story build and, and star build, because we're going to see certain uh, players do really well. Like a lot of players come to mind. Like when we're talking about, you know, Andrew from from Alberta. I think about Kyle Gellert from Alberta as well, who like wins an open every now and then in, in the Alberta or Regina area. And so I, even someone that hasn't um, had the time to follow. The upcoming players as closely as I used to. I'm seeing the same names coming up, like dahlia Like you, you had her on a podcast, and then she top eights. And then there's a, a bunch of people, even from the New Brunswick, Newfoundland side, Nova Scotia, that most players will will you know who the hell is, are these players? But I'm seeing them like continue to perform, and uh, those people deserve some love. So. There's a chance that, like, you know, a lot of Canadian players get a lot more love and a lot more recognition under the the whole, all these opens. Hopefully, we'll have more and more opens again, like across the country. And so that's the part that I'm excited to see, you know, building people up. And uh, I hope that continues. And that's yeah, I think there's
2: an excellent opportunity for star building because a lot of the people. Same people are going to go to all of the face opens in their area because both they qualify you for the next set of regionals and because they're the cash tournaments, they would be going to anyway. And then with the regionals themselves, you're going to get the best of the best going to both every single season. And there's a reason you're going to keep seeing the same names. It's because they're the best players. And I I really look forward to seeing who it ends up being the players who start dominating in this era of magic because I think it's. I, I would call it a new era of magic for sure, compared to pre-pandemic or. uh Well,
0: yeah. but is Derek part of the new or old era? Is, is he's a little uh, in the middle there.
2: Absolutely, right. part of the new era. Like, <laughs> I don't think Derek had enough success in the old era for that to be. I'm not saying that you weren't successful. You're just more successful in this era. I think this is when you're going to start peaking.
0: All right. Well, I think that was a compliment. <laughs> um but just because i i'm you know my best friend's alex uh one of my best friends uh you know tyler nightingale just assumes that i i also have this crazy resume like i walked past he was telling everyone that i played an insane amount of pro tours way more than him and like buddy i just played in two man like like chill out (laughs) i'm just i'm just a community content guy for most of my career um i'm happy that I was i would made it to two but uh uh if he wants to build up my legend to be also this crazy player. Okay. I guess, I guess I'm cool with that. Um,
2: at the, at the peak of your powers car, you were pretty good. And I think, you know, it.
0: Yeah. You're thanks. pretty good. I appreciate that. Andy. After, after going through like polymorphing and in, into a bail off, uh, phase, I, I became really good just because of, you know, being close with, with, uh, and talking to players, um, and just you know, having Hayne as a resource over the years, uh, obviously that's going to rub off on me. So as we end this first episode, um, I mean, we, we had a lot of talk about there's there's more on my list, Andy. Like talking about like how Discord may have helped you uh, work smarter, not harder, and stuff like that. So, but a lot of content for future episodes. So any last words uh, starting with you, Andy, uh, to your fans or whatever our fans.
2: Uh, uh our fans yeah the first strike uh, guys man they miss the us. first strike <laughs> nation the nation uh, i just want to thank all the people who uh congratulated me for top eight in the event it really meant a lot to after playing back-to-back paper pro tours taking a break during the pandemic and not trying to really qualify for the online pro tours it was extremely validating to uh do well at the first event and kind of prove that maybe it wasn't all luck and uh I guess all of my rooting power is going to go towards my friend, the happy sandwich in Calgary. So my shout outs to the happy sandwich. They helped me test a lot. They're one of my best friends. And I think they're like how good they were pre pandemic to now is insane. And I think we're going to find out, you know?
0: All right, Derek, last words.
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate a lot of people coming up, saying hi, giving me congratulations it was good to meet people for the first time um see fresh faces see people talk about getting excited about magic um it's also just good to get back into magic and enjoy it again and i also like watching other people's stories like andy said i played the happy sandwich at nationals a couple years ago and he has drastically improved uh, there's some locals to me Uh, like Randall who played on our national team a couple years ago with Hain who like also has been getting back into it has been getting a lot better too. And a lot of other friends that I've made along the way. And it's good to just like get back into that community and lean into playing some fun magic and hanging out with pals again, you know, and shout out to the first strike podcast listeners. I know you're all very happy that we're back again maybe one of these episodes me and andy can argue about some drama or something
0: oh man i don't know some some drama is too spicy um on a face-to-face <laughs> affiliated show maybe you guys have to do like a after dark show Um uh, which which i would totally endorse of course um with that said on to the oh, good luck uh well i think we might do an episode before Calgary, so uh, we will leave and just leave some us uh, feedback from, from Twitter, um, especially Twitter, if you want to hear more. Uh, we love you guys and see you in the next one. Ciao.